Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio on Monday, May 22nd, 2023. It's nice to have you with us today. It's also going to be very nice to have our Equity Award-winning guest with us today talking about special education, family coordination, and equity work in the field of special education. Let me turn this off. got to do that. There we go. Sorry about that. Okay, that's Dr. Kristen Vogel-Campbell, again, an Equity Award winner, working school district in San Mateo, Foster City School District as the coordinator of special education right outside of San Francisco. And uh, again, she's an Excellence in Equity Award winner for special education in 2022. Uh, my name is Larry Jacobs. I forgot to mention that. We're just back from a little vacation, which was just great out in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. And we're thrilled to be here today. And speaking, by the way, of the Equity Awards nominations are now open for the 2023 Excellence in Equity Awards, and that's at ace-ed.org slash awards. There, are 160, there were 160-plus nominees and over 50 winners in 2022, and we're looking to highlight and celebrate even more contributions this year, just like we're doing with Kristen. Okay, on our website, you'll find 29 categories dedicated to companies, organizations, products, and leaders, along with 15 categories for educators, power professionals, key group, and support staff of all roles. Okay, so 20, 20, 20 of the categories are all new this year, so be sure to check them out. The nomination process is open until August 4th, but now is the best time. The early bird period goes until June, June 2nd giving companies the best pricing. So nominate today at ace-ed.org slash awards or email awards at ace-ed.org with any questions. And we'd love to have you uh, nominate yourself, your colleagues, your favorite companies, et cetera, et cetera. Without further ado, let me bring on our very special guest today, who's three hours behind me in time, so it's only 7.30 in the morning out there. Good morning, Kristen. It's Larry here. Hey, good morning. It's it's definitely a little bit on the early side here, but I'm glad <laughs> to uh, be joining you this morning. Thank you for joining us, and I know it is early today, okay, for you out there. It's middle of the morning for us here on the East Coast, okay, so it, it's just great to have you, and again, you're an Equity Award winning educator and i can't thank you enough for being part of everything we do and for all the good work that you do okay it's it's really something and before we go further you've written a book and it's going to be published a little bit later this year from roman and littlefield and just tell us about that yeah right. so um Oh, I, I, I will I will do my best. Yeah. So um I do have a book coming out um either in the fall or early winter of this year, uh, with Roman oh. and Littlefield. Um it is partnering with culturally and linguistically diverse families in special oh. education. And the really wonderful thing about this work is that this is really the first um work that we've done some extensive kind of research about what kind of literature is out there. This is the first book of its kind that centers the narratives of parents who have children um, in special education. Um, so what, what I did as part of my work was 
I uh, engaged in dialogue with 11 families, and I believe five or six of them I required a language interpretation. Um, we have um, families hmm. that speak Spanish, Italian, hmm. Tagalog, which is one of the native languages of the Philippines, right. um, Japanese. Uh, so just getting an idea of their experiences and perspectives and how that can inform educators to better their practice. Um, so and it was a life-changing um, work for me. So I'm hoping to, to share that with everyone else. It's going to be a work-changing uh, thing for everybody in, in education. It's really, really important. You just corrected something that I've been making a mistake on for years. Say the word of the Filipino language again. Tagalog. Tagalog. You know what I've been saying my whole life is Tagalog. Oh, like the Girl Scout cookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think also Tagalog. like on Thank the, you. on 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 the East Coast, I don't. Th and and I'm originally from New York too. I don't think that we interact with Filipino folks as frequently as we do here on the West Coast. And Tagalog is is one of Tagalog. I believe dozens of um, native languages in the Philippines. I've been, I, it is it is one of the many languages out there, and I've been emphasizing the wrong syllable for for I can't tell and, you. For, and for you know years what? And years and, and years. It's all good. You were today years old when it was Tagalog. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's it's great to have you here. And by the way, Kristen was on before. We did some work in science education on a show in March of 2020, uh, 2021. So it's great to have you back here. I just want to say that. And you know, you just brought this up, and it's it's so darn important. Um, and I want to ask you a lot of questions about this family coordination and working with mm -hmm. equity in that regard in special education. By the way, you're the coordinator of special education in San Mateo, Foster City. You've been working at it for over 20 years, special, special day class teacher, resource specialist, teacher run special assignment, program specialist, director of special <laughs> education. <laughs> now you're the coordinator of special education, a pretty good-sized school district. Okay? And there's so much okay, cultural uh, challenges these days, okay? We've got to learn mm -hmm. to work with that, okay? But my question is the other way. Uh, are folks who are from other countries, okay, who come to our country, okay, with different, back, different cultural backgrounds, do they, I don't know, do, do they understand special ed as well as they should? Is it available in all the countries you're dealing with? I mean, that's an important starting point. Do they even know what this is for their child who may need it? Is it everywhere? Well, I think, you know, just, I, I think just to your point, first of all, I think that a lot of families who are, um, you know, born and raised in, in, in America, you know, first, second, fifth generation Americans, I think a lot mm -hmm. of our English speaking families don't, also, don't understand special education <laughs> and how it works. Um, so, so there's that. Thank you. Um, and, <laughs> I, and I think just, just education wow. across the world is, it's it's so different. Um, I think there are a lot of countries where um, students who have special needs are integrated completely into the school day. Um, then there are other places where students that might have a physical or a, a cognitive disability are still excluded from public education. So it really it really depends, and that piece isn't necessarily like the scope of my work, but I think when we come in 
to when when a family comes in to our district Mm-hmm. What I what I've learned over you know the the laundry list and decades long um, you know career that I've had, um, my I I come in with the working assumption that we're starting out from the ground up, and to explain everything in detail as opposed to assume that they know what I'm talking about, um, and to do so in a way that doesn't come across as uh, demeaning or belittling. Right, right but to make sure that they have an understanding of what's happening so that they can ask questions and they can challenge things that don't resonate with them or sound like what their their child needs. Um, so it really is just, you know, assuming that we're starting with carte blanche. And if a parent then tells me about coming from another state or coming from another country, that's also something that we need to take into consideration when working with them because sometimes it's a totally different mindset. It really is. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, uh, San Mateo Forster City is south of San Francisco and and north of San Jose, if I may. Okay, and just describe the school district in terms of demographics so people know where you're coming from as we talk yeah. about all this. And I know, and I know you're, you're from the East Coast, but you've certainly been in the, the California schools for a while. So just talk about who you, who you deal with on a regular basis so they can identify with you. Yeah, of course. So, um, yes, we are probably almost halfway between San Francisco and San Jose. Yes. Um, yeah. We are a pre-K through 8 district, and I believe our enrollment is about 11,000 right now. Um, so we are the largest elementary school district in our area, and wow. we have a really um, diverse mix of students. Um, we have, um, I believe we are at about 30 or 35 percent Latinx, Hispanic, Latino. Um, we have a, a large percentage of uh, white students, European-American um, uh Asian, Chinese, Japanese. We have a large Brazilian population. Um, wow. Also wow. Asian yeah. Pacific Islander, um, Tongan, Samoan, Fijian. Um, the one, the one group that isn't really represented in our district is we have very few students who identify as Black or African American, and that is because of historically, um, like racially segregated. Uh, housing and, and, and covenant laws and restrictions in the Bay Area. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's there's a lot that goes into um, moving from one district to another, and if you go 10 minutes down the road, you have a school district that is primarily African American and black. So it's all focused on who was allowed to live where. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah, and 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 that's yeah. and that's not something that you know the every the average uh, classroom teacher you know comes in knowing. Um, so no. there's so many different dynamics at play. Um, and, you know, and, you know, it's you funny know, because San Francisco. So no, it's okay. San Francisco is it's considered the, the the most liberal corner, if I may, of of the United States. Okay, it's so liberal there, and then then you have the the racial covenants that have kept people apart. Okay, because what you described when I asked you about Foster City, you you described just a beautifully diverse group, okay, of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you would go down the whole list again, and I certainly would have expected, you know, um, you know, black people to be in there as well as Caucasian. All right, and that's another group mm-hmm. you you didn't talk about. Are there a lot of Caucasian kids in the in the school district? 
Or is it mostly yeah. the, all the uh, varied uh, ethnic groups you talked about? We do. We do. We, we, we have a, a, a percentage of, of white students. I would think it's about 20 or 30 percent. Wow, great, um, yeah. great, great district. Yeah, I would, I would say that you know anyone that's that's really interested in kind of learning about mm-hmm. why we have like populations dispersed the way that we do, and you know East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. Like, there's an amazing book called The Color of Law, um, and it's not specific to education, but it really kind of dives into why we have. Um, populations uh the the way the way that they are today and it does go Thank back you. to yeah it goes back to Amazing. you know um the new deal and you know uh racial racial covenants and who was allowed to take out loans and redlining and all those other things so it's really fascinating wow that is fascinating thank you for that the color of law so uh, what when you're dealing Okay, what percentage of the kids in, 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 in the Foster City are in special ed or have IEPs? Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So we have, so out of our 11,000 students, we have about, um, about, about 1,100, so about 10%, um, give or take. And that is around the average uh, in California. Um, you know, it kind of deviates between like 12, 13 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, some districts have less than that. But we're seeing that 10, 11 percent is what um, what's typical in, in, in our in our state and just across the country and uh, as a whole. So and that and that and, and oh, go ahead, please. Good, oh, and I was going to say that oh. that's a combination of students who just you know have speech services. Um, so some students that have um, like resource. Um, so that's kind of like learning center. I'm not sure like how you would call that in on the East Coast, but um, like RSP, like push and pull out. Some students that spend most of their day in a self-contained classroom, um, and then we have other students who you know, are, are served out of district because their needs can't be met in our district. But that's a very small percentage. So it's, it's a spectrum of services. I was just going to say it's a diverse group within a diverse group. It's just, it's just absolutely yep. astounding. And as you're dealing, and I want to talk about this again, your book is about cultural relationships there and family relationships. And special ed, special ed is, it works with families probably more than, in, I, I hope, more than just about any other group in education, okay? And all the educators have to deal with all the linguistic uh, challenges, et cetera, the cultural challenges, et cetera. But special ed, it's not called special ed for no reason. It is special, okay? And talk about some of the barriers that you've seen in there, okay? And by the way, the ethnicities are everywhere in our country, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, and teachers are not trained to deal with this. At least mm-hmm. they didn't used to be. Hopefully they are more and more, but who knows. Okay, talk about the barriers you see as you're dealing with families trying to be equitable to everybody, but they're all from different places, so to speak. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the 
you know, I, I kind of want to uh, twist tw- twist the question to talk about the, the barriers that parents experience. Um, Go ahead. And so, yeah, just so based on my research um, after talking with not just these 11 families, but, you know, families that I've had relationships with for five, six years as their students move up the grade levels. Um, and I think, you know, first of all, I think that we all, you know, I assume positive intent with the work that educators do. Um, I, I think sometimes the missteps that we make are coming from a place of lack of knowledge and, you know, professional development and training is, is one of the things that, that I stress um, so, so, so much in, in everything mm-hmm. that I do. Um, so I think that sometimes because we are so overworked and overwhelmed with, with paperwork that I think sometimes schools, teachers, districts will make it so that special education is convenient for us, not necessarily convenient for the families. So, you know, scheduling, you know, IEPs, um, not necessarily taking into consideration when a parent works or if, you know, they can make it to a meeting at Mm. 30 in the morning, if a parent drives, uh, language interpretation, um, even you know, talking specifically about our programs when we're talking about inclusion, having students from a self-contained classroom mainstream into a general education class, this isn't the case anymore in our district. But you know, back back in the day, that you know, 10, 15 years ago, when a student in a self-contained class would mainstream in, they you know they would find a chair and they would kind of like squeeze into a space that was already established. Now, in in our district, every student that comes into that classroom has a desk that's allocated for them, so they have a place, they have belonging, and there's a sense of community, um, which is really fantastic. Um, And then the the other barrier is that a lot of parents feel that their perspectives and experiences are disregarded, where Asking parents for their input is just seen as something that's procedural other than actually listening to them, acknowledging, validating their truth, and then saying, okay, how can we work this into the meeting so that at the end we ask you, did we meet or address your concerns? Um, so it's not just it's not just a place where okay well what are your concerns okay thank you moving <laughs> on according to our own agenda you know <laughs> so there right. I mean there's a lot right. there's a lot parents need to advocate for their kids um, you know IEPs and special education don't need to be adversarial we're all working towards the same goal and I think you know having having our meetings structured in a way where everyone has an equal an equitable seat at the table. Um, mm-hmm. sure. We still have a lot of our IEPs virtually, but now we're coming back and we're having more and more of our meetings back in person. When I facilitate a meeting, I don't like having a parent walk into a room with a bunch of folks already sitting at the table because that, that also gives off the impression that they're, they're just visiting. Um, we all walk into the room at the same well, time. Also, it's an inequitable power, uh, a, a look at power. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's not that, comfortable that, to walk into it. So it's like going into a, a lawyer's office and there's 12 lawyers sitting there and you. Okay. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, yeah, so everyone walking in at the same time, the parent getting to pick their seat, um, 
And, you know, I'm also working with some of our site leaders and um, our our special education director to see if we can shift towards having circular table conference tables as opposed to squares so that everyone can look at each other as opposed to one side of the table versus the other side of the table. So it's even little Arthur. things like that. You know? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Christian We're Vogel all here for a common purpose. Of the special aid of the round table. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, but it, there's a point there that everyone is equal at a round table. Okay. It, yeah. and, and, and it makes a lot of sense. Do you find that people, and I, again, I want to get into the diversity challenge, you know, all those groups mm-hmm. that you talked about. Okay. Do, do most people from, and I'll, I'll, I'll say people from different ethnicities, especially if they're fairly new to this country. Okay. Do they feel comfortable? You know, it's, it's, cultures are different regarding education mm-hmm. all over the world. Okay. But here in the U.S., we really do want people to feel comfortable with, with, with and we want to give them as much as we can. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we mm-hmm. can't always do that, but we try. But do you, do you find that they understand that, that most of as the cultures you're dealing with, do they get it, that, that you're, you're there to help them, et cetera, and that it's not an ad- adversarial situation? Yes, I think so. I, I, th- I think that that is definitely um, that, that, yes, we're here to help your child. I think that is, I, I can generalize and say that I think that for the majority of the time, that's a given. Um, I think that depending on where our families are coming from, their comfort level of interacting and, 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 and challenging or questioning what an educator says is different. I think, you know, for generalizing again, I think for a lot of our, like, white families who are, uh, you know, born in this country, they, 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 they have more empowerment to question or push back on something when Mm-hmm. A teacher or a speech pathologist says something that doesn't sound right, but I think a lot of other families from from uh, different backgrounds, the they they defer to the educator as the professional or the expert, yeah. and that's very difficult to navigate. To tell families, no, 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 it's okay. You can question this mm-hmm. educator like we don't we don't want to invalidate their their <laughs> beliefs about like respect but we want them to have that you know equitable voice it's, exactly. it's a push and, and pull disrespectful yeah. okay we talk we talk respectfully among ourselves and i wanted to ask you something else which i thought was very important we're talking about inclusion for for a special ed mm-hmm. uh, kid with an iep Okay, they're going to maybe go into a regular classroom, mainstreamed into a regular classroom. Uh, we can say that, and that's simple to say, but it's not so easy to do because most teachers, okay, not, you, know, you know, special ed teachers aside, aren't trained in special ed, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, a kid, and a kid goes in, you want to do that. That's the success, okay, to move someone into a mainstream class. Okay, we, you know, and, and get, get them involved, et cetera, make them feel comfortable. But the teachers have to understand that, too. Yep. And we talk about the families, but now the family's been in a meeting they've done that's been run by the special ed department, and their child may be going to classes that are not taught by a professional special ed teacher. Okay? Mm-hmm. How do you coordinate and make it happen with the other teachers? 
Yeah, and and that's a lot of that's a lot of collaboration that special yeah. education does with the ed services department. I think the number one thing we can put all of the plans in place and all the professional development in place, it's it's a mindset. So for for me when i go in to talk to general ed teachers and they're hesitant about having students with an iep enter their room it's coming from a place of i don't know what to do and i don't want to do the wrong thing for this kid yeah. so it's yeah. giving them the tools it's giving there. them that that yeah. knowledge lots of professional development and training about universal design for learning which is just yep. built on accommodations um you know pairing our gen ed teachers with a special education teacher, not necessarily in like a co-teaching model, but having our special ed teachers join grade level meetings, having them kind of walk the walk through the IEP for the gen ed teacher to kind of break down like well, this is what an accommodation is, this is what the behavior plan looks like, having other folks and experts come in and provide their input, and then making sure that we circle back with that general ed teacher, ask them how things are going, bringing them into the the, the IEP not just as a general ed representative, and I'm air quoting here, and you can't see that, but having that having that <laughs> gen ed teacher actually yeah. con contribute yeah. and and feel empowered to also share during the IEP meeting, and and that's I, I we're, we're we're not there yet 100 percent across the board, um, but I think yeah. when we're talking about inclusion, it's inclusion isn't something that we do. Inclusion is something that is. And, you know, it's just, okay, well, today we're going to do inclusion. Tomorrow we're going to do this. It, it should just be, it should just be. I mean, yeah, our society, it, it, our society is inclusive be. or should, should be, be inclusive. So, yeah. I have to ask you this, though, and this has always been a challenge, and I remember back on a quote when I went to school it was a long, long time ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I, I hope this has changed, and maybe you can give me some insight on it. Teacher education. If I'm, I was, let me choose me. I was a history teacher, okay? A lot of my courses mm -hmm. were in social studies, history, all that sort of stuff. Then there were a few in, say, in education, but most of it was on the history side, all right? Nobody, there was very little mention of special education, Okay, mm -hmm. when we had kids after I became a teacher, you know, you start to have these kids. You don't, I don't even know what was going on. How has that changed? Because all the things you're saying are so important, okay, about this. How has that changed? Is there a better understanding from the, from the general teacher, okay, about how to work with a special aid kid? What do you, what, you know, and you deal with this all the time, all right? What are you finding? Is it better now than it was? I hope so. Yes, I definitely do. Um, I definitely think that there is a, a a better understanding of how to work with kids that have diverse needs. I think you know, um, and and you know, I I, I entered teaching in the like early two thousands. Um, so we've we've come a long way in terms of just not just awareness but acceptance. Um, you know, students on the autism spectrum in mm -hmm. general education classes. Um, that yeah. is much more common. Um, now we are focusing on students with, you know, specific learning disabilities and being able to kind of parse out like, okay, is this a writing disability? Is this a reading disability? Is this a math disability? I think we still have a really long way to go. 
Um, yeah, we do. You know, we we have we have students that have physical disabilities, but are able to work at grade level with their peers, fully integrated throughout the day. Um, where they're not spending any time in the general education setting, but they're getting, you know, speech or PT or uh, mm-hmm. physical therapy or occupational therapy. Um, but I think it's it's also important, you know, special education laws are not, they're not that old. Um, you know, IDEA has only been around since the mid-70s. Um, the uh, ADA It's a long yeah. time, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not, you know, okay. like I'm, not I'm going to argue mid- with you. We're not talking about the Ten Commandments here, okay? Well, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the special education. I love you. Now, you know, I'm only arguing for the sake of this, but the special education laws have been around since the 1970s, okay? Right. And there's more and more kids, more and more kids involved in special education, some aspect of it than ever before. And there, in considering that, and you know this, Kristen, there are fewer and fewer special education teachers available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got more kids and less teachers. We, we, we all know that. Okay, it's mm-hmm. rough out there. All right, and a lot of mm-hmm. great special ed teachers have been thinking about leaving. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. my point is that, that the education, schools, have to make sure they understand that when they're teaching somebody to teach history, Okay, in, in grades uh, 6 through 12, they have to say, you're going to be working with kids in special education that have high EPs. Here's how mm-hmm. you handle that. Here's what you have to do. Here's who you have to work with. That never came up in the old days. And my point is that it has to come up now because we lay yeah. too much stuff on the special ed teachers. We don't have enough mm-hmm. of them. They're, 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 they come down like you did from heaven. Okay, and they're going to wind up there eventually. Okay, they have the patience of saints. Okay, we ask them to do everything. All right, with a ton of mandates with little funding to to make sure all mm. the mandates happen. It's, it's I can go on and on, and we, you would say the same thing to me. We've got to make sure that that regular teachers understand this and help out, because with more and more kids involved, there's not enough time in the day to keep, keep meeting with everybody back and forth to get this right. That's my soapbox for today. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, like, teacher education um, needs to incorporate more classes specifically about working with diverse learners. Um, I know that in um, New Jersey, uh, for example, my, my nephew, uh, I think, went to Montclair State University, and uh-huh. he, earned, he earned his general education and special education credential at the same time. So they must have done something to have made that an easy pro- I mean not an easy process but they made it uh simpler so Possible. that he yeah. yeah he he's a he's a first grade teacher but he also wow. has that special education knowledge and I think that's where we need to go moving forward going back to the university level and looking at our credentialing programs and 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 switching those up so that our teachers yeah. are equipped and empowered and they know what to do Dual so it's not just all on the whatever. special education teacher. It can't. There's not enough of them. Okay. Right. And, right. and if I may, saying you folks in that regard, you folks work so hard to get it right. And the goal is to move these kids, not all the kids, obviously, but to move the kids into mainstream, regular life in school. 
So those mm-hmm. other teachers have to understand exactly what's going on. You brought up something. You brought talking about all the laws in special education, okay? And you asked me to ask this question. I love this question, okay? How do you define? How do you find the balance between what is legal, okay, and what is right? All right. And yep. I, and again, I'll say it again. The, the the feds and everybody puts down all these mandates. Oh, you want us to fund them too? No, I'm sorry. Just do them without dollars. Okay. And so legal and right. So just talk about that as a special ed, uh, educator. Yeah, and and I think that you know, obviously there there are laws and protections for students in place, and we are mandated to follow those. But in order to provide education for our students that addresses all of their needs, instead of just checking that box and going, okay, I followed IDEA today, we need to move towards better practices and humanizing our students and our families and not just checking it off for compliance. So, So what's legal, I think that is our, that's our baseline. And what is right is 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 more it's it's making sure that we uh students are involved in their in their iep planning even from an early age in elementary school that we're always checking in with families that we are you know doing our due diligence to make sure that their accommodations are in place when they're in a general education setting and you know then yes when we come back to the IEP and the paperwork we can say yes we've done these but we've done we've we've gone one step beyond and again like all of the things that you've talked about with yeah the there there is a there is a, a shortage of teachers yes, but i is. think that's a bigger conversation <clears throat> about respect for teachers and and pay for teachers and especially for special education teachers there's always an added layer of roles of responsibilities so there's that but you know i i specifically chose to go into special education for a reason um it it's not a savior complex but it's <laughs> working working with the students who have been put off to the side that that's that's yeah a very conscious choice and you know we have to we have to do better than just the standard for for our students yeah we really do and 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 the world of education has to look at this as we were saying before and change the way they train teachers change so that so that every teacher can help every other teacher okay it's that simple Okay, we've got to mm-hmm. make it happen. We're not in silos, and and, and we're learning this as 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 we go. You know, you just want, you know, why? You know, I just want to go back. Like, you know, when you were in college, what 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 did draw? I mean, you said it. You know, you want to help those kids that are, you know, not quite mainstream there. But what was it that drew you to special ed? Yeah, and, and stay um, in it and stay in it all this time. I mean, it's wonderful. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I I actually when I when I finished my undergraduate um at Hunter College in 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 New York, um City okay. University. Yeah, um, sure. I I was not an education major. Um when I was wow. in college, my nephew who is now 23 years old, um Who's a different nephew by the way. To the, the Montclair uh, State no, guy? A, a, 
a different, different nephew. nephew again. Yeah. <laughs> different nephew, big big family. Um, he was diagnosed on the autism spectrum, and his uh, his family also lives in New Jersey. And the level of support and the interventions that were put into place immediately was just kind of mind blowing to me. And you know, at that point, I didn't know much about autism or special education, um, but you know, I I needed to kind of make a career. Uh, decision because my initial uh, plan didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. What was your original so, major? What you graduated? Oh, so 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 my so my major in undergrad, um, I was an anthropology and urban studies uh, wow. major. So I I wanted wow. I wanted to be Indiana Jones, um, but going into going into grad school, <laughs> there's a new you movie. To have, you're on your way. There's a new right. movie, so you're good. Yeah. yeah. You, you you needed you needed to have German um, and French and Latin and language is one of the things that is really tough for me, so I'm like okay maybe not going to do that. So I was pivoting either towards social work or education, both very similar but very very different. And um, NYU uh, Steinhardt School of Education has an amazing. Um, accelerated master's program in special education. And that was kind of the step that I took um, after grad school moved out to California. And, you know, I've been at it in different roles ever since. What keeps me in it, what keeps me in it are the bright spots. Um, Because, yeah, there have been times where I've said, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. I'm just, I'm too tired. I'm too burnt out. But when I get to sit in a meeting and, and hear about, the progress that a kid has made or sit in a meeting where parents are parents are having a back and forth conversation with 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 families or getting to walk into a classroom and see students with significant needs learning like that's that kind of that kind of keeps me keeps me going um and and you know hopefully we'll we'll keep me going for quite a bit longer at this point yeah don't leave don't leave we need (laughs) you there (laughs) <laughs> Kristen, we need you there. Don't leave, for goodness sakes. Okay, uh, you know, like you said, you said you get sometimes you figure you're burned out. Is this for me, etc.? I got big news for you. It is for you. Okay, you really mm-hmm. you you've shown that time and time again, and you're continue yeah. to to sh- to show it. It's amazing, and I hope that uh, San Mateo Foster City knows how lucky they are to have you as coordinator of special ed. I mean, it's really just. Just so darn important. And you're one of our Excellence in Equity Award winners. Congratulations for that. It's, it's great Thank to, you. Great, great to have this conversation. You are special. You you are special. Let me just say it that way. You are special. Thanks for being with Thank us you. today. You, of course. You bring, Thank you so much. You bring much. a lot to the party, Kristen. You bring a lot <laughs> to the do, party. I definitely do. <laughs> you, you do. Okay. Thanks a million. And now go on with your day. It's 10 after 8 there. Okay. So enjoy your day and thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Larry. Oh, you are more than welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Bye, bye, Kristen. Dr. Kristen Vogel-Campbell of the uh, San Mateo Forster City School District. Okay, check it out. What a great lady and a special and a special education equity award winner. Check all that out. Didn't mean to hit them with that. Please go over to ace-ed.org slash awards or email awards at ace-ed.org for any questions, okay, about our nominations, which are now open for the 2023 Excellence in Equity Awards, okay, and it 
The nomination process will be open until August 4th. Today's May 22nd. You got plenty of time, but now is the best time because the early bird period goes until June 2nd, and it gives companies the best pricing. So please check it all out ace-ed.org slash awards. We'll archive this show, as we always do, where we where we live on the web over at ace-ed.org. Kristen, thanks a million. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening.